0: The, um, the framework, which was my poem, told me what what to write and what was going to happen. My reality engine made it happen, and then the characters themselves would have conversations and talk, and they would challenge the framework, because if you tell them to do something stupid or you say, oh, this happens now, they'd be like, why is that happening? And now your characters are questioning, and, and now you can't write it because your characters would say, this is bullcrap. And that actually happened to me in one of the chapters. I had something else planned for one of the main characters and he just wouldn't put up with it he literally left the area he's like we're not doing this i can't do this i can't subject you to this i went through this you're not going to go through it i'm done and i thought oh my god wait <laughs> hold on <laughs> what am i doing here but it was true it was like i knew in staying true to that character he simply wouldn't put up with that so i had to make sure i did just things accordingly
1: the cerebral entertainment
2: Thank you for checking into this edition of the Cerebral Entertainment Podcast. We're confident that you all are enjoying the additions to the CEP Network, including Raised on the Radio, featuring Patrick Blair and our very own Colt Riccato. And now, Crusher Cast, featuring Joe Burrow. Colt and I are very fortunate and excited to welcome Joe as he brings us ordinary people with inspired lives to the network. Be sure to stay tuned to these two shows as well as the Cerebral Entertainment Podcast and be on the lookout for more great content coming straight to your ear holes via the CEP network. Now for this episode, Colt and I chat with returning guest Mark Bradford. Mark is an author, amongst many other things, and he has recently released a new book titled The Sword and the Sunflower. The story is an epic post-dystopian fantasy set in a world 1,000 years from now, and it contains magic, hurdles to overcome, and is ultimately about the love and bond between a father and daughter. Be sure to like and follow Mark Bradford on the socials. Go to his hub where you can find all of his podcasts and other projects, and that's at markbradford.org. And check out the new book. The Sword and the Sunflower on Amazon and at Mark's website. So, without further introduction, here we go. Hey everybody, welcome back to yet another riveting edition of the Cerebral Entertainment Podcast. I am James, and with me as always is my good friend Colt. Absolutely. And with us on the line today, returning guest, Mark Bradford. How are you doing today, Mark?
0: I am well, and it's so nice to see you guys again.
2: It's nice to see you, man. I. Would like to catch up a little bit, see how you're doing amongst all this coronavirus, quarantine, um, craziness, social unrest. Um, are you staying safe, staying healthy? How are things changed in your life up there?
0: Well, it's interesting. Uh, when this first started, uh, my, you know, I, I have a podcast as well, uh, weekly. And when it first started, my first podcast was Welcome to My World. Because, you know, so much of what was pushed upon other people was something I was just dealing with anyway, which was, you know, I work from home most of the time and then visit clients, you know, a small percentage. So Mm. I was already socially isolated because of that. You know, I'm forced to work 12 feet from a refrigerator and it has those challenges, (laughs) Um, you know, right, right. Oh, yeah. And a lot of people are just getting that for now. Um, yeah. You feel a struggle. Uh-huh. And, you know, just like, just like times like this where like a lot of people are business on the top and, and, and pajamas in the bottom kind of thing, you know, people were just talking about that sort of thing. Um, so, you know, for me, you know, being self-directed and and, and self-guided and, and having the answer to myself in lieu of uh, my clients first and so forth, you know, that was something I had been used to for 15 years, but everyone else was just sort of thrust into it. So, um, so for me it was it was already something I was doing. I did have to adapt a little bit more to even more social isolation, which I wasn't a fan of. I didn't like holding my breath walking by people i didn't i you know i just all those all those mental gymnastics that you sort of go through uh which could be a whole nother podcast talking about that stuff so but otherwise, good i mean I focused uh that you know my ability to write in a cafe was uh taken from me so uh, I have something in my alchemy for life book called "Do It to a Fault," and there's uh, one of the letters in FAULT is location. So I had location tied to writing. So I'd go to a cafe, I'd get my bonus coffee, I put my headphones in, and I'd go in my other world. Well, I can't do that because you're not allowed to go to cafes or, or see other human beings. So I had to adapt to finishing things at, at in my office, and I did, and I did.
1: Hmm. Have you have you been able to move back to the cafe yet, or is it still closed?
0: I I go to a bar and write, apparently. Uh, but <laughs> yeah. I, I could go to I could go to a mall and write, but apparently, you know, there are only certain cafes that are open. Um, So I've just I've adapted to that. I certainly have adapted to the savings of spending a quarter of what I would for the coffee, uh, you know, and and all that other stuff. So so because I readapted, I'm I'm fine. Plus, I'm in a non writing zone right now because I just finished the sequel to the book we're going to talk about today. So. (laughs) So. Wow. Yeah. So I'm good for a while. I need to. I need to. I need to. I need to talk about it, let it breathe, and all that stuff.
2: Absolutely, right. kind of let that all unpack and and enjoy your work instead of maybe right. just yeah. Right,
0: and and hopefully let other people enjoy it too. In fact, that's the thing I've been beaten up by uh, my editor and other people is that you know I need to slow down. And most people don't tell writers to 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 write to write less, but you know those first four uh, self help books was 13 books and uh four books in 13 months uh which is just insane so that's when i took the break actually so if we can segue that's when i took the break and said i'm done writing i am not writing anymore i need to i have all these books out there and all this content i produce, i need to stop writing
2: yeah huh. wow well so to have a little bit of a uh, a recap here You've always been, at least for the past 15 years, socially isolating yourself anyway, so that's all good. You had no problem with that. Um, you've had plenty of time to write. Um, you've spent a lot less on coffee, which on the coffee note, before we move on, to, to me, like a Starbucks coffee isn't really that much better. I don't, wherever you went, but a Starbucks light coffee is not that much better than other coffees that you can get. And if you get really good, you can make one at home. So you're kind of paying for that environment like you would at a bar. Like a beer is five times more than what it would be if you just bought a 12-pack. But you go for the environment. You go for the experience. And that's that's the one thing you were lacking was that cafe-house type of environment that is probably somewhat inspirational for you, Put you in a zone maybe or, or just gives you a good feeling or something like that. Is, is that about right?
0: Yeah,
1: uh, I would say that, absolutely.
2: Yeah. So...
1: I was just going to ask, so you said like when you go into the cafe, you put your headphones in. What are you listening to when you're writing?
0: Well, that's really interesting that you, you said it. I, I literally have a, a list on Amazon called writing and it's, and it's a number of songs, but that's a very special question because in the sword and the sunflower and the dedication, I didn't dedicate it to people. I dedicated it to music and I specifically dedicated it to music that inspired me. In fact, one of the pieces by someone who was a pianist i want to say that correctly um was uh careful was it was right exactly (laughs) let's make sure they came out right um was so inspiring it was so beautiful that it became the theme song in my mind for one of the main characters and when she would walk through a field when she would go for a walk to think when she was training I would hear that in my mind at all times. So at the beginning of the book and the dedication, I, I literally list the music. And I have a special story about, about one of the pieces of music, too.
2: That's, oh, wow. that's, that's awesome. It's a very interesting topic, too, because I have music that is consecrated for my workout, right? Uh, when I'm working out, most of the time, I like to anger up the blood, you know, get things moving, get, get, the, get the adrenaline pumping. You oh, know? so
0: you go on Twitter, then? <laughs>
2: <laughs> I, I don't. I don't take it that far, Mark. <laughs> It's like I have my okay. limits, okay? But <laughs> no, but w- when I'm working, like if I'm working on my computer doing you know, spreadsheets or something like that, you know, that's kind of mind numbing work for me it is at least. Um, I like to have electronic music. It puts me in almost like a trance type of you know place where I can just focus on the numbers. But I've got that background music to entertain my brain in a way that I, I wouldn't have before. Um, so I, it's interesting that you have music that you actually build a character kind of around it. It, It's that person's theme music. It's that person's background music. Because I have background music to my own life. And if someone were going to write a story about me and, and my personality, my characteristics, they would have to have the background music in order to really capture that because that's what's in my head. That's what's playing as I am, you know, living my life as I live it. That's a very interesting concept that you are actually doing that to build a character,
0: Right, and, and, it, and it was the other way around where, the, where I was just listening to music and I stumbled on this. So I should probably back up and actually tell you the genesis of the story first before I tell you about the music of writing the story. Let's do it. If, if that's okay. Yeah, so, let's do it. Like I, oh, okay. So like I'd said before, I actually said I'm, not, I'm done writing for a while, right? And i had only written nonfiction. i had written some fiction in the past, but I'd never published it or anything. I had a fairly large story that I just put on the shelf. I had written some short stories, but I was done. And so I'm walking. So there's a cemetery near my house and I'd like to take walks there all the time. It's sort of like a park with dead people. (laughs) And, um, I find it, I find it very serene. Actually, it's really nice. Well, I took a walk and my mind seemed to be like unusually clear. And I saw a scene in my head and I was like, Oh, wow, that's really cool. (laughs) You know, that should be in a movie. I mean, that's really neat. And then I just thought about it and I kind of expanded a little bit on it and I just thought about it a little bit more. And then I heard the voices of the two people talking. No, I didn't hear voices just let's be clear when we quote me. Um, but, uh, I heard the voices of the people talking and I, and I can actually expand on that because that's part of my writing style is the conversations. Mm -hmm. And so, um, I came home and then I felt a poem and I literally sat down and in about 10 minutes, I wrote a poem and I looked at the poem. And I went, oh, my God, that's a book. That's the outline of a book. And that was it. And then I wrote the book. From that poem, I knew what I needed to do. Hmm. I knew that I needed to follow the steps of the poem, and that was the entire thing, everything that happened in the story. Hmm. So yeah.
2: so how does that lead into the, the music then? We're, we're...
0: Well, because I need to tell you about the book first before we even talk about the music. But so for okay. the music... Yeah. So, so that was, that was the genesis of the book. That's how I created the book. And as I was creating these characters and listening to their voices and letting them have a voice um, one of the characters is a young woman and she was actually training. And so the book is, is set a thousand years in the future. Okay. Um, and I didn't take that lightly because that's 30 generations. And if you think back 30 generations, we don't even recognize, you right. know? Um, So it's, actually after a catastrophe happens right around now and um, some horrible things happen to the earth. In fact, so badly that people say the world was turned upside down, okay? And you, know, you can take that metaphorically, you can take that physically, however, and y- y- some of that's revealed in the story of what really physically happened. Well, some, some catastrophic things happened so badly that basically we lost so much, we lost technology we lost people, we lost the majority of the people on the planet and things. And we finally, when we got to a dystopian society and then after that, the earth started to heal a little bit, people started to heal. And now we sort of have a society that's back to being sort of medieval. <laughs> but technologies, pockets of technology are still around, and, but it's referred to something else. Now, something happened in the past in which interlopers were released, okay? And they settled in what was called the soft spaces. And in the book, you understand what soft spaces are. And because of that, things don't age near them. So in other words, if there was something like a car that was near them, the car would work if it had gas in it because it wouldn't decay. So that was sort of the premise. And I don't really talk about that in the book. I'm sort of telling you that as the author. But it's sort of the premise of the book that so imagine that you throw in, you destroy the earth and you have a medieval society, but you allow the little pockets of things to still function. Like, well, what would happen then? How would people regard that? And so that's just a tiny portion of what happens in the book. So, one of the characters, like I said, um, a, a young woman. Um, I was hearing this beautiful music by Ludovico Inaldi, and I probably said his name wrong. He's an Italian composer. And it's actually done some, some, some movie music, I think. So it makes sense that it was such an epic thing in my mind. And I was just loving it so much. I had to, I thought, okay, I gotta see this guy. So I looked him up to see where he was. And he was Africa, you know, Milan, you know, Germany. I thought, well, I'm, you know, I'm not really going to see him. And I found he was in Toronto which is not that far, you know, from, from, I can get on a plane and then an hour and a half be in Toronto. And so I bought the tickets and I was excited and I thought, okay, that's not enough. I want to meet him and I want to sign my book and I want to thank him. So I looked up about possibly meeting him backstage or whatever. And he had these fundraisers where you could actually meet him. And it started at a thousand dollars in the bidding. And I thought, well, I guess I'll just enjoy the music. <laughs> but, but I thought, you know what? So I looked up his managers in Italy and I wrote to them, not even knowing if they speak English. And I said, look, and I kept it really short because I know how this works. I said, look, I wrote this book. Part of me writing it was the inspirational music of listening to, to him. I'd love to sign a book and just hand it to him and thank him. In less than 24 hours, they wrote back to me and said, Mr. Bradford, we have two backstage passes waiting under your name whoa and i was like i was so excited and then COVID hit and then i couldn't fly to see him and then then the the whole thing got postponed so it's not even going to happen until next year so that was pretty bad
1: well hopefully those backstage passes are still sitting there for you
0: yeah i hope so too and i'm assuming so and so you know so i'm excited about that but i'm gonna have to wait and it happened all in May. This was May. I was also supposed to see my son, who's in Germany, and I had a, a trip planned to see him. We were supposed to go to Paris. We were supposed to go to London. That all went away too. Oh
2: man, something yeah. something to look forward to, though, right? I mean, yeah, just absolutely. just been delayed. So yeah, why uh, you mentioned that it wasn't on accident? The the thousand years from now, thirty generations. Do you spend a lot of time thinking about a, a dystopian future? Because when you go that far ahead, it's, it's even sometimes hard for me to imagine that we're still even going to be here at all because of the way well, the absolutely. world is. And if it is, if we are, I just have to assume that it's going to be just incredibly different, right? So is that something right. you spend a lot of time thinking about?
0: You know, I didn't realize, but appara- there's something called speculative uh, fiction. And apparently I, I do speculative fiction because that's sort of what this is. Um, I do think, I do project things out sometimes. And I do think, well, how would this work? How would this work? I guess I've never thought a thousand years from now because I thought that's just, you can't wrap your brain around that. Yeah. But I did do all the math and I did all the stuff and my whiteboard is right over there. And it looks like CSI Miami. It's just mental because it's so much stuff I had to track. I had to track time and distance and everything else in the book to get things properly done. And, um, for the book itself, I thought about that. I just went into the zone and I just wanted to give the book my all and put my heart and soul into it. But I typically am not someone who's like, yeah, I wonder how things are going to be in the future. You know, I, I do try to project technology. Like I predicted that tube monitors were going away a long time ago before we even had LCD. Hmm. Uh, I, I looked at those things and I thought, this has got to go. I mean, you buy a Sony monitor for $900 and it weighs as much as a refrigerator. I'm like, this is going to be one of those things that in the future, we look at this and say, that was stupid. Yes. Oh, my God. You know, and so, and I was right. And there's a couple other things like that, too, just like like PDAs. Like PDAs, when I was 17, I had a, a notebook and I had drawn what today would look very much like a PDA. Yeah. So I I figured, you know, I just combined elements that we had and I projected them. But sometimes we don't know, like, you know, the Internet shows up and then you're like, oh, well, we didn't even think of what an Internet could be. So, yeah,
2: it's hard to even imagine you try to speculate future technology. And I I guess you have your your Steve Jobs type of people out there and and some other people like you who who saw this, like even for a TV, those big, huge tube TVs that I carried around for so long, and now I can pick up, you know, I can easily pick up a big 60-inch flat screen pretty much by myself as long as I can get my arms right. around it with no problem. <laughs> right. It's like, why did we ever do that other thing before? Because that sucked, and this this is not bad. But I saw a, a picture not too long ago on social media, and it showed like a one of those VHS camcorders, and it showed a calculator, and it showed a, a, a rotary phone, I think, or maybe it was a cordless phone, all these different devices, and then now all you have is this this one little thing that does everything amidst all this pile of stuff. And it makes me wonder, I speculate what it's going to be like, you know, even five years from now, but for sure, like 20, 25 years from now, is it just going to keep getting better and better or is it's, are we going to turn? It's going to get worse and worse.
0: Right. And and you have to think also there's, there's not just um, technological advances, but there's social advances in the way that society uses things like these phones are ubiquitous. They're everywhere. And you wouldn't even think that you wouldn't, have a phone yeah but these are these aren't sticking around much longer um there's going to be a change where we don't walk around staring into a brick while we walk and you're going to see that change soon and it's and it's going to manifest itself in a way not because this is going to change but because the display is going to change we no longer will have to rely on flat displays that are lit by a light there's going to be a different kind of display, and as soon as that other kind of display shows up, it's going to change the way we interact with this completely. And this is going to be dumb that oh, I got to get it out of my pocket to talk to it. Yeah. We won't have that anymore.
2: So you talking now? Are we talking about augmented reality here? Are we talking about implants into our eyeballs that we're going to have to? Um Implant into our
1: eyeballs? Because I was <laughs> I was just going to say, Black Mirror is going to tell us what he's talking about. Exactly. <laughs>
0: well, you know, I, I'm 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 one that I I think we will continue to go on a path where technology is friendly. I like technology, and yeah. I think we're going to go on a path where technology is friendly. Okay. So I'm not all for the implanting and cyborgish stuff. So okay, yeah,
2: okay. But, well, that, that's good because I trust you right now, and I want to continue <laughs> trusting you. And if you're telling okay. me they got to put well, something in my eyeball, then we're gonna.
0: Yeah, and if you read the book, you would find there's like very little talk of technology in mm-hmm. it. It's more of a a story about people.
2: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, we kind of diverted there because the thousand years thing. Um, but I well, do, yeah. I, I do. Oftentimes, I don't think about it a lot, but I associate the future, especially that long of a future, with a, a dystopian type of climate environment. You know, an environment in in and of itself. How uh, how the environment might be changed by then because of all the the pollution and, and possibly the war and things like that 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 may or may not happen in that amount of time, uh, but it, it's hard for me to imagine a utopian is the I guess the opposite of dystopian. But just even a, to be able to carry on in the sense that we that we live now, which once again you, you you stated that a thousand years from now or a thousand years ago from now, what was things like? I mean, things were markedly different in every way possible for any human yeah. on on the face of the planet, rich or poor. Um, so I guess it, it's not, you know, a thousand years from now is obviously going to obviously be different, but it's uh, it's hard for me to imagine that it would be anything but dystopian. And so I find it interesting when when people can take that and make a make a story out of it because it's kind of it's where my mind's already at. So it's it's, it's yeah. a short short leap for me.
0: Well, good. Yeah. Well, good. Yeah. I, I'm 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 glad it's a, a short leap because. The way that I start the book is I sort of just plunge people into it. I don't exp- – initially, I didn't explain anything. And then I I actually published the book with an update um, that has a um, an intro. And the intro is only two pages long, mm. and it just explains what I, basically I said to you. You know about sort of what happened in the genesis of it and so forth but i actually hadn't explained that to anyone because i wanted them to just start reading and go what's going on where where are we because i like that a lot but i don't want to overestimate how much someone else might like that because it might be taxing so i put the intro in there i even say in the intro and i got some kudos from some of the beta readers saying it was clever and funny but um look you know if you like to be plunged into something skip this. But if you don't want to be plunged into something or you feel like you're confused, go back and read this little intro. And it's really a simple intro going, Oh, I see. I'm a thousand years in the future. Cause there's no way to know that in the book when you first start reading it, you have to get pretty deeply into it before stuff like that gets revealed. But that's kind of fun to like slowly peel the layers back. I think.
1: Mm, yeah. It's interesting. You, go ahead. I was just gonna say, uh, so you said that you just got done doing the sequel for this book. Yeah, the sequel's done. The sequel is done. So, how yeah. far into the original book did you re- did you realize there's got to be a sequel to this or did you know it ahead of time?
0: Oh, so that's a great question. So, when I was following when I was following the poem and I was writing the book, I was looking at the book and I was on like page 300 and I'm like, "Wait, <laughs> we're nowhere near the end in here what is going on so i realized i needed to provide a very i needed to stop at one part of the poem and provide a very solid um the sol- solid part to it and that was actually the um the the scene i had seen so the end of the end of the book the end of here we go so the end of this book is um is what um uh, the poem, the scene I'd seen in my head, so about halfway through the poem, and then I and I stopped and I'm going, well, that's pretty satisfying. I thought, well, what am I going to do now? Am I going to write a sequel? I thought, no, I'm going to write a sequel. You know, I got to see what happens with this. You know, maybe that's where it's supposed to end, and so forth. And then, of course, like a week later, I started writing a sequel, and it was so weird too because when I started writing the sequel, and by the way, this is the this is this is this is it. So, um, and it's got the it's got the line on there because it's a proof. So it's it's just from my eyes to see, so I can make sure it looks good. Uh-huh. But I think it looks awfully I think it looks awfully pretty. So um, when I uh, started writing that, it was actually scary for me because I thought, well, what if this was a fluke? What if this was like lightning? And now I I can't do this again. Uh-huh. Like, what if this is horrible? You know, I thought, oh my god, this is I'm gonna disappoint everyone. And I started writing it. And then it just came to me and that just started all over. And i oh my God, I'm doing it again. And I just, it just, it just came to me and it was just so wonderful. And it, and now I've had beta readers read that one and they've told me, in fact, the review for this book, uh, says that they actually like it slightly more than the first book and they nice. love the first book. So thank God for that. So yeah. So that's the way that that worked for me.
2: And how long did it take for you to write those books again?
0: If I give you too short of amount of time, are you going to judge the book? Because <laughs> it really, because like I, I wrote, I just went into that 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 zone, and I just wrote because those characters were talking to me. So I'm thinking like three months it took me to write the first one. Okay, and then like, and then the, another three months for the
1: second one. A, probably. And we're talking how many pages total between the two books?
0: Almost a thousand. So the Holy first book cow. is. The first book is 413. The second book, I think, it's 455. But who's counting? Yeah.
2: Well, <laughs> the reason why I ask is because I, I I like to write a lot, and I like to do other projects that involves like you know thinking and, and writing and, and and different things sure. like that. But I have sure. I have trouble with the time. I have trouble with getting into that zone, and I I often wonder because I've heard people you know it's taken them a year to write a, a book. Or it's taken them five years to write one book, you know. And I'm like, well, you know, five years sounds about right. That's if I really put my mind to it and, and, and you know do a lot of work into it. Um, so I, I'm very, I, I'm not judging you the negative way by being. If no, you put no. If you put that I many mean, words okay. on a page, on pages yeah. in a book, and even got the cover for it and everything and got it published in in three months. No, I applaud you. That's that's amazing. Yeah. It's awesome, and I just was- I aspire to, for that kind of zone
0: yeah it was in a, it was an in a expansion of time energy and resources which of course is what i I talk about it but it was it, it's just the way my brain works my brain is so project oriented that i just see it and i get obsessive and i'm like i got to do this and it's happened in the past with technology and other things but i just say i have to do this and when it came to the book I, f- I found that I needed to tell that story. That story was so important. Those characters—I literally fell in love with the characters. The two—the two main characters, well, there's sort of three main characters. Man, they deserve to have their story told, and they deserve, deserve to properly express themselves. And I—and that leads me into like my. So my writing style is broken up. Into, there's three, three parts to fiction for me, okay? And I actually have a talk I give about this. And so for me, there's three parts. There's the um the conversations, the framework and my reality engine, okay And so and everyone has their own reality engine because y- are you both married? Yes. okay, so if I say if I say this to your wife, what would she say? You'd be like, oh, she would say this. if I do this, what would she do? Oh, she'd do that. I could I could grill you for a day about scenarios and things because you know her so well. So you have a reality engine that sort of goes, well, this works this way. And it's been programmed by reality because you've seen it. So you can use that reality engine in writing fiction. And so that's what sort of makes a story believable is your reality engine governs it. Hmm. So when I was writing this, the, um, the framework, which was my poem, told me what, what to write and what was gonna happen. My reality engine made it happen. And then the characters themselves would have conversations and talk and they would challenge the framework because if you tell them to do something stupid or you say, oh, this happens now, they'd be like, why is that happening? And now your characters are questioning and, and now you can't write it because your characters are like, this is bull crap. And that actually happened to me in one of the chapters. I had something else planned for one of the main characters and he just wouldn't put up with it. He literally left the area. He's like, we're not doing this. I can't do this. I can't subject you to this. I went through this. You're not going to go through it. I'm done. And I thought, oh my God, wait, <laughs> hold on. <laughs> what am I doing here? But it was true. It was like, I knew in staying true to that character, he simply wouldn't put up with that. So mm-hmm. I had to make sure I'd adjust things accordingly. So, and so I think because I get all that down, I don't get writer's block.
2: So your characters themselves adjust according to their own personality, their own characteristics that has been developing throughout the story. And at that point, you're kind of at their whim as opposed to the opposite.
0: Yeah, as crazy as that sounds. Yeah. yeah, because because you want to stay true to that character, and what and that's sort of how fan fiction works. So once someone gets a character well enough, they can actually write other fiction about that character because they kind of know how they'd react to it.
2: Yeah, another interesting point you brought up because I hear a lot of people, and I myself have have experienced the same thing, is that you really love a story when you really invest in the characters, when you fall in love with the characters. And so by you saying that you fell in love with these, particularly in particular, these two characters, which I assume you're talking about the father and the daughter, right? Um, Which I can also connect to relate to because I have a daughter and there's that father daughter thing there. So it's always highly interesting to me when there's that, that, that bond is amazing. Um, But when you said you fell in love with those characters and you had to write the story for them, I have to assume that really injects a lot of passion and a lot of, of course time and energy uh, into those characters and into the story, so that you can properly display what it is that you that you felt.
0: Oh, absolutely, and I and I really appreciate the reviews that sort of got that. So it, one of the coolest things about writing a book is is when people review it, they get things that you didn't explicitly tell them. Hmm. So uh, I had one person who was also a father who who read the book, and in one of the, in his review, he mostly just said, "This is very powerful," and I thought it is it is powerful. I didn't write it to be powerful. I don't tell you in the story, this is a powerful story, but it is. And it's really cool. It's very satisfying to get that from people. It's one of the most satisfying things to get these reviews from people and to get input from them. I had somebody who I had in a Facebook group, I I offered um, both books to people so that they could review them both. And I had one person, she took the, she took the book, she read it, she came back to me about a week later and she said, man, and she said, it was fantastic. I love these people. I want to know more. Where's the next book? And I said, okay, here's the next book. As we agreed, less than two days, about a day and a half later, she comes back and she says, man, it was so fantastic. I absolutely loved it. I want seven more books with these people, please. I, I want to hear more about them. I'm like, wait, wait what, do you, what, do you, what do you mean you loved it? I'm like, you read it? and she's like yeah I read it she's like she's like I read it I fell asleep reading it I read it all day long I fell asleep reading it and I woke up and I was like oh yeah that's right there's still more and I finished it and I thought oh my god that was 455 pages and you read that in a day and she said yeah I couldn't put it down it was so good so those were her words and I was just I was just and I thought you don't need to make stuff up that's okay if you didn't like the book she's like no I loved it and I love the characters and I felt a little bit sad because the end of the book is that." There's no more books. I want to know more books with these people. So mm. it was in fact the review that I got online of the book says the same thing, that 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 they actually wanted to see more books with these characters. So yeah. kind of cool.
1: So you created these characters yourself and you said that once you created them, you felt like it would like you dove in because you felt like that you needed these character stories to get out. What like what about a character that you create? Makes it makes you feel like you have to get that story out to people. Does that make sense?
0: I think so. Yeah. And, and the the strange thing is is too is I didn't know who these people were at all. So it's not like I base them on this person or base them on that person. None of that was based on anyone I know or any con- even a conglomeration of people I know. These are just people that have popped into my head. Like one of one of the people is is a gentleman who's very stoic. And that's why when you said stoic in the first the beginning, I was like, Ah, oh, this is going to be good. Uh-huh. Um, very stoic guy. He's somebody who doesn't really talk unless he has something to say. He's, something that re- he's someone who remains really quiet, not a particularly warm person uh, until you get to know him in the story. He's gone through something absolutely horrible in his past, um, which is why in the beginning of the story, you will learn very quickly that he's agreed to assassinate a man he's never met. He just wants to take this one last job and everyone can leave him alone. Just, just let him be in his pain. He's, that's it. He can go kill this man and that's it. And this man, he'll be paid uh, a king's ransom to pay this, to, to, to kill this particular man. And that's it. And that'll do it. That'll be the thing that gets him away from society is that, but when he, when he goes to do this, that's when his, the world changes because he finds things that he never thought were, were there. And he finds all things inside himself. He finds all sorts of things. So that was that character. And then the other character, um, I don't want to reveal anything, but the other character, uh, it, it, you learn quite a bit and there are tremendous character arcs with these people. These people grow in the story. Even one of the characters, her, her language changes a little bit, her manner of speaking because she's exposed to different people, uh, a different, a different society, so it's kind of like if you go to Texas for a year and to come back you're going to have a little bit of a twang you might call soda coke and things like that uh-huh. you know we pick up these things automatically well she was starting to pick up things so i had to reflect that in her dialogue she actually started to talk slightly differently and you could kind of pick up on that and the other character actually was noticing that too
2: huh that's interesting yeah. depth there and of course yeah. up, up where you're at don't they call soda pop don't you have pop no, up there? Uh, soda it's soda okay yeah. Yeah, well, at least,
0: well, I think it varies a little bit. I think when people come, come up north from the south, they typically say pop. I
2: think there's pop on the way, I guess, to yeah, up to north because (laughs) I know in our state of Missouri, like if you get about three quarters of the way up the state, all of a sudden it's pop, and I think it's pop all the way up, maybe just directly north of us. But that's why I was wondering. I've always thought that was crazy, and I've been down south where it's all called Coke. It's if it's a Pepsi, it's a Coke. If it's a Mountain Dew, it's a Coke. It's, just, mm. it's all coke. They call it coke. Yeah, I don't, I don't get <laughs> I don't understand. it. Understand. <laughs> anyway, though, Mark, that's some that's some very interesting depth. That just very detail oriented characteristics of someone picking up dialects like that. I mean, that's that's mm-hmm. that's that's pretty amazing stuff. What? How how does your creative engine just? I mean, are, are you relating to everyday life? How, how can you say how those ideas generators are just like? inspiration is it just your muse that that whispers in your ear and you really don't have any way to explain i
0: it, it's hard to explain other than the re- i've been told i have a very good reality engine in fact okay like i've had a friend who said that to me who just like laughs and shakes his head because he'll give me a hypothetical situation, I'll, and i'll say oh sure if that happened well this would happen and this and this and this and everyone would say this and i go on and on and be like where's this coming from and i'll just say my reality engine says that's the way that would work and so uh, you know that's that's just the way it works for me. So I was just enjoying the ride and some of the writing. I was like, uh-huh. oh, okay, this is cool. And it's just a part of you that's that's running, and you hear the gears and the smoke and everything while you're just typing away and going, yeah, of course, uh huh, oh, cool.
2: That's I, I tell you what, it is. In my opinion, it's, it's just talent. It's raw talent because. You know, most people can't do that. I can try, probably, as till I'm blue in the face to get in that kind of a zone, and may never be able to reach that. I don't know if I could ever get in that flow state when it comes to writing. You know, there's other things where I can kind of turn it on in life and, and just kind of do it and ride that, ride that out. But uh, I, I think you just have, you must have that writing talent to just let your mind kind of generate those little minute details about a character and, and watch how that develops almost out of your control to some extent, almost just like it's just pouring out of you, but you're really not consciously putting forth that effort. It's more of the character becomes alive and you're just. You know,
0: yeah, thank you. First yeah. of all, thank you very, very much. It's very humbling for you to say that. Thank you. Uh, I, I guess I would equate it with, because you guys are 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 very um, involved in physical activity and working out and all that stuff. So mm-hmm. I'd almost equate it like if you're going to go for a run, I mean, you, you know what running is. So you go for a run. And that's almost automatic, but it's not automatic. All the stuff you have to do to run the way your legs work, you know, your pace, your breathing, all that stuff, your your stamina, even when you decide, well, how far am I going to run? Am I going to push it this time hmm. or is it just going to be a standard run? Do I even feel up to it? Is my mind wandering? Can I just focus and shut up and just run? Um, that's sort of like the, the how the writing flow works. And then you start to take control and say, no, today is going to be my best run, or I'm not going to do this, or I would need to run somewhere different today because I've done this run enough, or I don't want to be on a machine. I want to be free weights this this time or something like that. There are all these decisions you take for granted that someone who would get into like weightlifting would be like, well, how do you pick that even up? I, I hurt myself, you know, but you take all that for granted because that's your skill set of going no, 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 within working out, I'm now going to decide I'm going to do this today. And so it's kind of the same thing for the writing where you're like, Okay, I get what I'm doing here. I'm gonna drive a little bit and I'm gonna like go on autopilot a little bit. So, so
2: very interesting. I think that's how that works. Very interesting. Yeah. What what style of book is the Sword and the Sunflower, would you say? Is it you know, is it a drama? Is it a suspense? So
0: so I would say it's an epic. epic. It's an it's an epic. Okay. Yeah, it's an epic sci fi fantasy, but you can take all the sci fi fantasy out for the most part because it's a character driven epic. And for me, um, it is I think conversation is so important to me. Dialogue in a book is everything to me. Dialogue makes or breaks a book, mm. and um, and just like a show, like you could literally have two people sitting in a booth talking, and that's a show, uh, and that's a book. And if you do it right, it's actually interesting. And you can tell me how pretty the trees are all day long, like 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 Tolkien with with The Hobbit. Um, no offense to people that like that, but for me. Okay, I get what a forest looks like. If we've had four pages on what the forest looks like, that's enough. <laughs> I get what trees are. I want to hear I want to hear tension. I want to hear anger. I want to hear somebody who has a need and someone also has a need and how do they figure that out? Do they misinterpret each other or how is this guy going to come back or what's going to happen here? So when characters are introduced in the book, they're introduced for a reason and they're introduced in a way that you say, oh, this is an important person. This is interesting. They're not just empathing, and they become very important to the story. In fact, one of the reviews actually said that, that the, the characters that are introduced are very uh, hard to forget.
1: Okay. So when you first started this, you had a, fa- you had a father the, and a daughter in the very beginning, and then it just grew from that? Did you know right off the bat this is how many characters I, we want to put in this, or is it just the father and the daughter and then just grew from there?
0: Yeah, and, and again, it might be a little misleading to say father and daughter per se. It's sort of father and daughter figures, okay. uh, but without giving too much away. But yeah, I had sort of three main, I had 2.5 main characters. I had two main characters that I'd seen in that scene. And then I had to, then I had to understand, well, how did he get to that desperate point? And then who is the person who is sort of, Allows him to go and assassinate the man, and why does he want to assassinate the man? And what, what, and how does all that stuff happen with the interlopers? And are they even involved? And, and where are they in this whole story? So, there were a lot of characters, in fact, and without giving anything away, um, but there's something really cool that happened recently. So, there's a certain Navajo people influence in the book, okay? Um, and so, I actually reached out to the Navajo nation to tell them about this book I had written a thousand years in the future. Obviously I'm taking liberties because I have no idea about their civilization and things like that. And so they now have a copy of, of the sort of the sunflower in all three of the Navajo nation libraries. Oh so wow! It's, it's so cool. That was, it's so meta. I mean, if you've read the book, you realize just why that it's such a meta thing. So it's pretty cool.
2: Hmm. So what uh, I'm, I'm sorry, you had me with the Navajo. and My brain went went. <laughs> I started thinking about the Navajo Nation. Um, yeah. So um, let me let me get my train of thought here for a second. I, ha- I had something a topic I've been waiting to, to inject in there, and now it's it's oh. it's, it's, a, it's left <laughs> me. But let's let's get right to. You alluded earlier that you had you you didn't want to do just a book signing per se. You you had something else in mind. So I, I re- actually remembered that um because i said at the, before we started to hit record that i was probably going to forget it and i needed you to interweave okay. that so if it's not too soon why don't you discuss what that process looks like what do you what do you talk about here because you 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 got my interest peaked
0: yeah sometimes uh, authors will do a, a reading they'll actually read some of their own story and then people can actually ask questions about characters and so forth so the, one of the things you write a story in the dark you write a story without anyone looking and you, and you have to have all the self-control to do it right, to get it right, to do it with care. And you hope that all the Easter eggs that you put in, you hope that all the nuances that you put in, you hope all the representation that you put in of certain things gets out and people get it. And then if they do, you just love to talk about. I, there's a lot in the book. In fact, one of the reviews says you need to slow down to read this. This is not a fast read. Mm. Uh, in fact, I have a story about fast read. It's not a fast read. It's something that you really have to sit and absorb and and think about. Honestly, if this were to be made into a movie, I would see they could easily make two movies from the first book and then two from the second. Uh, I could see it as being like a Netflix series of like multi-season. So there's a lot in these two books. Um, I took the advice of my editor and she said, it's going to be as long as it's going to be. Stop worrying about how long it is and just write it. And I went, okay, I'm going to tell the story properly. So with that being said, I would absolutely love to have, and I've I've laid some groundwork, um, a thing that's like a signing where you get a group of people who've read the book together, an audience, and then you get to discuss things. And they ask you questions about the characters and you talk about the characters and you talk about certain things that they might want you to expand on and so on and so forth. I think that'd be the, the coolest thing ever to be able
2: to do that. Yeah. So that yeah. would be a podcast right there. That would be like a, almost like a Sam Harris uh talk about something where he has a, you know, he has a pretty big auditorium full of people typically, but just to have that discussion with people who has questions, uh, you talk about right. the characters, talk about the story. Maybe they even inject some of their own experiences into something like that. That's, that's oh, a, absolutely. It's fantastic. It's a fantastic. Yeah. idea.
0: Uh, yeah, I, I think that'd be
2: so fun. And I do remember what I was trying to get to earlier. It, it, oh, it good. came back to good. me. I wanted to know, I was curious, because you've written mostly nonfiction self-help books up to this point, up right. to the sword and the sunflower. Right. Uh, which do you enjoy more? Which which came easier to you and which do you enjoy more? The the, the nonfiction, the self-help type of stuff, or do you enjoy being able to create that story and, and build those characters like that?
0: So that is a really good question. So they are two very different things. Mm. Uh, it's not a cop out. I'm I'm going to answer your question. I promise. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, uh, but the uh, before I can tell you which one I enjoy more, I kind of have to under help you understand how how they work. So the so if you write a nonfiction, then you're basically taking a concept and idea that you've worked through, and you're organizing it. So again, mm-hmm. using you guys as 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 an example, if it was it was something about being physical, you know, working out or or, or what have you, uh, you would go, well, there's an awful lot to tell. What do we want to tell people? And then you'd start to make your outline and say, well, wait, this is just a sub part of that. That's not a whole chapter. That's just a sub. We just that's a little idea. And that's how that works. And you just kind of arrange your thoughts and you get logical and da 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 da, and, and you try to explain things to people in a way that you go, okay this is fluid and this flows. This is cool. Fiction. (laughs) Fiction is so different than that because even though you have the format and the outline, you look at this blank page and you go, Oh my God, like I have to tell this story. Like if you were to see just how much groundwork you have to lay to get to a point that you're excited about, Mm. you jump off a cliff. And that's probably what stops a lot of people from writing. Like, well, wait, I have to lay all this out before I even get there. I just want to tell them that part. So it's such a different animal, but I would have to say I thoroughly enjoyed writing the fiction. It was such it was as a it was a very deep experience for me to write this book. It was very the depth of the characters, the, the the happiness, the the heights, the pain, the suffering, the 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 love, all that stuff that's in the book is just could never compare to a nonfiction.
2: Hmm. Yeah, and you seem very inspired like just just by talking with you about the book it's like it's added some kind of a spark to to Mark Bradford that maybe wasn't there before you formed those characters and fell in love with those characters and made that story around them
0: it's 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 an, like you said like it's an amazing thing like like uh, in fact i took a walk this morning and i thought to to myself the most amazing thing in life is creating something out of nothing like where does that even come from yeah like where did you know like like looking at this now and going wait where did <laughs> Where did, where did all that come from, you know? So that's, that's just a fascinating thing. It makes you think that there's a lot more to life than just what we see.
1: Yeah, You were talking earlier about all, like all the groundwork that you have to lay in the beginning. How hard is it to do that, but also grab somebody's attention at the very beginning of a book? Mm.
0: So, so that that's another another great question i, I was actually in two writers groups and the the comments I, I got two consistent comments from the other writers one was that i never have a problem worrying about descriptions and that somehow i get it done and then the other one was that reading my books was always like watching a movie and the the the, the, the first comment was that i have a method where i say don't tell me what somebody looks like if i don't need to know yet so, if I say Sue walked into the room and was really angry and she, t- she took a knife and she started running at the guy. So far, we're good, right? What color is Sue's hair? Who cares? Yeah. Right. I'm, I'm worried right? about the knife we at this care. point. <laughs> right. Yeah. Right. We don't care. We don't, I don't need to say Sue was a mousy a woman who was five foot four with brown hair. Her shoes were red because today, who
2: cares? Yeah.
0: Later on, after she stabbed the guy and she's running down the hallway, and one of her red shoes falls off. Aha, it's a red shoe. Now we need to know because her heels were kind of high, so she couldn't run that fast. And now, you know, as she turned, her brown hair fell in, uh, upon her eyes. Now we know her hair's brown. So you have to kind of give the people the thing they need, like in real life, if you see something and then let the attributes sort of fall out of the sky when needed. Mm. That's right. what I do. Most people don't do that. And I think most beginning writers, they start to describe the situation. Forget about that. Just give us the goods.
2: Yeah, that's, that's very, I've always been interested to in how to to see how different stories begin. Because, right. like, like Colt just just kind of mentioned, this, the story needs to grab you as quickly as possible. You know, if, if you right. can't get past page one or page two or page five, then obviously the rest of the story it loses its power because you're not even going to get that to that point if if right. you're not grabbed right. by it. So the that different, the different, yeah, yeah, the different approaches that people use. Like a lot of times, it begins with a scene, a scene of some kind. You know, it was a dark and stormy night in Charleston, and you know, so and so was walking down right. the street looking for his lost dog. And so it's really kind of got to grab you as quickly as possible, and the different approaches that people use has uh, always interested me. But I'm wondering, Mark, if you, if you know or if you can divulge your own to some degree when it comes to that or character formation. Is, is there a method to that, or are you just looking for something that grabs you and so you're hoping that it will also grab a, a enough readers for it to be you know, worth your, your efforts?
0: I've never thought about that. Really? I can <laughs> honestly <laughs> tell you, I can, I know, that's amazing. I have never thought about that. If someone said, how do you create a character? I, I don't know. Okay. I don't even think about that. I've never even thought about that. I've only thought, wouldn't it be cool if there was this? Wouldn't it be cool? I want to see this guy. And that's all. That's all I've ever thought about is, I, 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 I like, you, I become like this really selfish reader. And I go, no, no, I want to see a character who is vivid and vibrant in this way and i want to see this character that represents this so no i just it's just saying you know that i just selfishly want to see that but i never think of well how can i build a character because i think that would be so detrimental it'd be like creating a painting and going well how am i going to fill this side of it how much blue should i use like you don't think those thoughts you just say i want to make something that's visually appealing
2: yeah huh. I guess if you put too much of a scientific effort into it, it kind of takes away from the passion, right, from the heart of it, right. even the imagination to some degree, like that painting. If I, I want to make sure I get 57% blue in this because <laughs> right. I know that's what right, I exactly. need, then it, it, yeah, exactly. it probably takes away from a lot of the what your muse would just take over and have you do based on right. just sheer creativity and imagination.
0: Right. I wanted to mention something, and I don't want to step on your brain again. So if you had something you're going to say, I, I can wait. No, no, please. That, uh, <laughs> okay. Yeah. It, I, no. don't,
2: I don't know why, but you had me thinking about where are the Navajo from. I, I know I've been because I think yeah. I've been through Navajo Nation. Anyway, I'm sorry. Go ahead.
0: Yeah. yeah no. It's 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 very fascinating. It's really. Um, so the back of the back of the sword and the sunflower. has... where's my thumb? I can't see. As well, that, uh-huh. okay. Does that look familiar?
2: It does. Yeah.
0: Recently. Right. Like recently, I don't know like about in the news.
2: I don't, are you talking about all the statues in the news? Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So,
0: so this has been a very creepy experience for me Okay. because there have been three, there have been three things from the book that have already come, come true in like the beginning. I, and that book was published just in uh, right around Thanksgiving, so I'm not. I didn't write down what was happening, so uh, okay. I can I fabricate that up. But there are three things that have come through, and the the third thing was that people were taking down statues, and it's just so creepy. It was disturbing to me because I had written some scenes where people had destroyed some statues,
2: uh-huh.
0: uh, and then to see it on TV because I had actually never seen anyone destroy a statue. Most people, I don't think, really. Uh, other than I think you know in the past. Uh, uh, there was the one was it Lenin I forgot or Stalin or whatever that they brought down
2: yeah and also Saddam Hussein when um, we that's
0: what it was went yeah. into Iraq mm-hmm. yeah otherwise otherwise you don't really think of people you know systematically destroying statues like we've been seeing now but so I wrote about it without really seeing it and then to see it like bizarrely and, and disturbingly come true on uh, it was just such a weird thing and it's like three things that have that have happened that I wrote about in the book It's it's such an odd thing
2: wow the this yeah. the statue's one is interesting especially since you know we're talking about a dystopian future so now I'm a little worried you know yeah. I don't know if you keep up with the the Simpsons predictions but they <laughs> uh, the, the cartoon the Simpsons the show right they have had right, right. episodes from way back like the 90s when Trump was president and, and different things right. that have happened uh, right. uh, if if you're predicting something here just Keep writing. Give us some more warnings so I know what's coming, so I can try to insulate as much as possible. With The Simpsons,
1: if you have a million episodes, you're bound to get some topics correct. I guess. (laughs) I guess
2: right so anyway <laughs> right. just just yeah. keep writing Mark um, all this is, is very interesting man I I love the story so far I haven't read the book yet looking forward to it was, from what I, the reviews I've read from uh, the especially talking to you like I said you just you seem inspired man you, I could just tell you really fell in love with this process that's one of the reasons I, did. I, did. I was so interested to see because I know that you, you have a lot of, you always have something going you always have at least a couple of irons yeah. in the fire and, I sure uh, do. Yeah. So, and we're we're gonna we're gonna make sure we point everybody to all the stuff that you do, not just this this latest book, but that's um, why I was so interested in whether or not you or, or how you you um, viewed nonfiction versus fiction writing. I guess the process, uh-huh. and you explained that process pretty well. Uh, and it sounds like that it sounds like you have a real true passion for the for the fiction. Um and, and nonfiction, apparently, kind of, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it just kind of comes. The, the nonfiction kind of comes because uh, you're a technical guy, right? I, I forget what you do exactly. I know it's web, web something, web design, something. It,
0: it's easy to it's easy to forget because I have my hands on a lot of things. So I have I have an I, I have an IT business I've done for about 15 years in okay. which I do web development and and interactive stuff like that and okay. help people with technology. Right. But I also built a dating site from scratch. Yes, right. I, I
2: remember that. Yeah.
0: Yeah. yeah. And then I wrote the two books on relationships and I also do speaking and then I have the podcast. Yeah. So, yeah, there's a few things.
2: So I, I just have to assume that you like to stay pretty busy and that's that's okay.
0: You uh, know, I, I appreciate that I've convinced you that I'm not lazy, but <laughs> I don't know. I don't, don't believe all the hype. I don't know.
1: <laughs> well, the good thing is, most of that stuff it seems like you can do from home during all this, right?
0: Right. That's true. Right. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Like the podcast, the speaking, unfortunately, just. just... You know yeah. that's that's unfortunate. People do speak via Zoom and stuff like that, which is nice, but it's not the same. You know, interacting with people in person is just such a cool thing.
2: That, right? Are, agreed. Agreed. That's that's been a. Uh, there's been a lot of things where you know there's been a meme about. Well, I think we could have had this meeting all along at home from email or, or something like that. But I think I think another thing that the whole quarantine, this whole COVID experience has brought is that there really there still is something about personal interaction, human interaction in person. You know, I I don't think that's going anywhere, period. You know, and there's a lot of people talking about the new normal and and this and that. But I think you're never going to be able to replace sitting down with someone face to face or on, on a stage speaking to them in front of, you know, a group of people and you're not going to be able to replace that energy that that interaction that uh that that climate It's just you, you can't do it with technology i don't think
0: yeah. no and 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 that's actually the core of the book it's like personal interaction uh, and that's i think that's what makes something like this so interesting to read or or a well-written book at least a fiction is that personal interaction cuz you're right there with them you know you're just right there with them interacting in a way that yeah you can't do on t v or or what have you you we need each other we need to interact sometimes we need stress sometimes we need tension uh and the tension is the fun part it's the fascinating part so as as you know because everything runs on tension, you know the news stories and everything if you put an ad out, if you make people afraid or you make people angry, your ad's gonna do well if you do if you forget about either of those and God forbid you're like me, and you're like, I'll just make people informed. No one cares. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
2: Well get out there and piss them off then Mark. Make sure you grab yeah, your attention. Yeah. <laughs> where can uh, where, that's what I tried to do. Where where can folks find the sword and the sunflower?
0: So the uh the, the the sword and the sunflower is uh on Amazon. Uh it's uh, as a as a paperback and also as a uh, a Kindle. It's also on Barnes and Noble. And um if they want to, they can also go to markbradford.org, which is sort of my hub for all these crazy things I have my hands in, mm-hmm. uh, and then um, and they can see it on there too, along along with the reviews and things. So uh, that's where they that's where they can get it. And the sequel will be out soon. Um, I am being told to hold on to it until uh, there's the more people are understanding the, the, the sword and sunflowers. So sure, yeah. it'll be out soon, but it is, it is, it is, it is uh, driving me crazy because it's done. Cause what you're seeing is the proof and we just need to flip a switch and it's for sale.
2: Wow. Right. I nice. said, that, that's gotta be like burning a hole in your, on your desk or in your pocket, so to speak. Well, but yeah.
0: Well, it's kind of like you build a, you build a house. You, know, you spend all this time building this big, beautiful house, but then someone says, yeah, it's invisible. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
2: It's beautiful, but you can't see it. Right. By the way, I totally dig the 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 scene behind you with the sunflowers back there. Oh yeah, yeah, perfect. Right.
0: Yeah, I had I had to do that. I had to do. It. It's I perfect. Have that. I even have my I have my flask for. for oh yeah. Oh provides.
2: nice. Uh huh.
0: Yep. The and alchemy flask. I my, uh, yep, I have my alchemy flask, and then I have my alchemy mug. And I'm so disoriented here, um, but I just love this. I just love this mug. It's so pretty. Yeah, it is
2: <laughs> very nice job.
0: Yeah, and then it says time, energy, and resources on the back, right?
2: Yes. So. so speaking of that, man, I, I don't want to let you go without reminding folks, because it's been probably about a year since we've spoken with you, right? Something like that. So.
0: Oh, yeah, yeah, I think so.
2: Remind everybody about all of your other projects, too. Um, Alchemy for Life, your dating game, which I, I find it extremely intriguing how that all came about. But just give us a little yeah. uh, a rundown of everything else you got.
0: Sure. You're, you're, so, so I wrote a book called The Status Game 2. And it's all about what all relationships are based on. I'm not a dating coach. I'm not a matchmaker, but I have connected with someone who she's a dating coach and matchmaker. And we're actually working together on a project. And I just happened to sit next to her having a martini. And we had this long talk in which she just started slapping the table and saying, Oh my God, that's what I say. Oh my God. Why won't people listen to me? And then I told her that I, um, I wrote the book and, and she's just thrilled about it. So the status game is about that. And um, now she's recommending it to all of, all of her clients. Perfect. And so I, I created this game called the status game and it's uh, it's date down, marry up. So <laughs> it's the, and basically what it is is a card game about dating. And so um, the crux of it is to raise your status high enough that people start to become interested in you and want to date you and then to win and then to win the game you ask somebody to marry you okay if i ask you to marry me and your status is higher than me well then i just won because look what i got right but if i ask you to marry if i ask you to marry me and my status is higher well now you got the good deal now you won the game so i've made you win the game by doing that and then so all the you know oh she's too good for him and things like that but i have you know i have cards that raise your status i have cards that lower your status, like bad job takes your status away. Um, and the art the artwork is really fun. Um, you know, just like young kids make it kind of hard to date, you know, so that takes that away. And uh-huh. um if you're into sports, then of course that raises your status because it's physical and things like that. But the problem is if you're into sports or works out.
2: Yeah. Uh-huh. Right? Right. But
0: but the problem but the problem is if you if it, um you can draw a card like Oh man, like workaholic, which will make you keep your job. And that'll, it'll sort of exclude you from relationships. Or if you work out, you could become a workout fanatic. And then that also <laughs> forces you to keep the card because as you know, I mean, you can work out or you can go, Oh my God, now I'm a gym rat. I go there seven days a week. Well, now you don't have a time for a relationship.
1: Right. right? Yeah,
0: And that's what the cards are all about. So they have all these little cute tongue in cheek things like that. And there's even a, there's even a flirt. There's even a, there's a flirt card. Um, but strangely enough, the flirt card looks exactly like the harmless communication card. Okay. And so surprise. Right. And so what happens with that is that during the game, you can pass that card to someone else. Cause part of the game is only having so many cards in your hand, because if you're frozen with like all these cards and someone asks to date you, you go, Oh, I don't have any time to date. I got all this stuff going on in my life. Right. So, um, when, uh, it, when you pass the card, you're just passing it to get rid of it. If you pass the flirt card and ask someone to date, they automatically have to say yes because you kind of buttered them up. But the harmless communication is just to get it out of your hand. Well, I had these two guys who had never met, and I met them at a meetup, never met each other, and we were playing the game, and one of the guys was dating the other guy because in the game you just say, I'm dating you or whatever. And, and he passed the card to another guy, and the guy was like – And the guy was like, what? He's like <laughs> – like, he looked jealous. It's like I was. <laughs> so the guy got jealous in the card game with a guy he never met before because they were dating. Because that's just how the cards made him feel. It's just such a <laughs> it's such a fun thing. So, and it's it's pretty. It, they, they're they're pretty um, tongue in cheek. I mean, I, I you know you know like there's a fee, there's a female card versus a male card. If you're a female, you automatically get a plus one to your status because that's kind of how it works. in life, <laughs> you know, and, right. you know, right? 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 Right, because if you're if you're a dude, then there's all these assumptions that like I went through pa- single parenting for ten years. I raised my kids for ten years, and everyone assumed that the way my daughter was dressed because my wife had dressed her so nicely, all well of me. Mm. You know, you know, there's all these assumptions and stuff like that. So, but you know, there's there's even a there's even a high maintenance card, uh, <laughs> and there's a um, a retail therapy card, and and things and things like that. So there's just some crazy stuff. Even um, an LDR long distance relationship can you know it takes two status away because it makes long-distance relationships make things a bit more difficult or yes. if somebody says that they're a vegan or they have a special diet or whatever so, <laughs> so it's just it was just it's just a lot of fun it's just sort of a fun game i just wanted to visually show i, I don't know i just need it's one of those things like i said where i'm project based and i just needed to do this so yeah that's that and then finally i also have um Alchemy for Life. I'm I'll just—I'll just show you the book. So, mm-hmm. Alchemy for Life. And if you go to Alchemy 4life the website, that's where you can get out my podcast that I have every week about getting more time, energy, and resources in your life. And um, you know, I kind of visually show that—that that, like you have a flask, and if you um, you pour it out during the day, you pour out your time, your energy, and your resources. And now it's seven o'clock, and you're like, oh, okay, I'm out, <laughs> right? So, like you said, like you want to write a book, you could you could get to be six o'clock and go, man, it's only six o'clock. I got all my stuff done and everything. And now I can write, but you're out of energy because it just drained you because you had an emotional day. Yes. So you got the time, but you don't have the energy. So that's what this is all about is having time, energy and resources. And I literally wrote it so that you'd have formulas work and worksheets. So like at the back of the book, there's all these worksheets on like how to do things like your comfort zone. And like, even one of them is like, is there chaos and order like what in your life is order and what in your life is chaos because that plays a big part like if you're an artist you probably want more chaos than order but if you do something else you might need more order than chaos in your life and so it's important to understand which aspects of your life are chaotic and which ones aren't and they're not a, it's not bad so even like one of the podcasts was the canary does not mine coal and it's And because if if you know that miners a while ago, in fact, they only discontinued doing this like 20 years ago. They would take a canary in the caves with them, Mm -hmm. you know, as they're mining. And if there was if gas would come out, they're super sensitive with their tiny little lungs, and the canary would suffer, and everyone would run out of the cave and save save all the men, Mm -hmm. right? Well, if you took a canary with you, he's because he doesn't have his little shovel, and he's like, oh yay, I'm helping. (laughs) Um, but he was just as important, if not more important. So what I'm trying to say is that. Some people who are part of a team at work, they think, Well, I don't do all the stuff that everyone else does, but you're just as important because you have a thing you do. And people forget that because they just compare themselves to other people and they're like, Well, I'm not as good as them because they all do that. Well, you have a thing you do. Hmm. So anyway, that's that's what the that's what the book's about. <laughs> yeah.
2: No, it's beautiful. Your your project mindedness and creativity is astounding, Mark. It it really is. You got... Thank you. Just, just the the amount of ideas that you can fit into in between the cover, the cover of the of the book is just uh, it's inspiring, man. So, once okay, again, everybody, Mark Bradford, you said markbradford.com, is that right dot org dot org org,
0: dot org. Okay. org yeah
2: Mark Bradford the podcast name it's called Our what
0: podcast is Alchemy for Life Alchemy for Life so you just go to and and that's also on iTunes and all those other good places too, okay. Yeah.
2: Okay. Yep, want everybody to go check you out, man. Mark, thanks again. It's been uh, a pleasure talking to you again, and I, we're gonna have to do it again now. Uh, <laughs> j- just <laughs> like so. just like the way you're writing books, man. We just we can't, just can't leave it hanging like this. So next
1: That's time right. he's walking through cemeteries and voices get in his head, and yeah, right? Start giving yeah. him story right. ideas. <laughs> yeah. Thanks Maybe again, we'll talk man.
0: Talk about the sequel. Yeah, you're welcome. Thank you for having me. It's always yeah. nice seeing you guys. Yeah. I We'd really appreciate
1: it. Love to talk about the sequel
2: next time, and uh, and who knows what else you're going to be working on by then. So, yeah,
0: absolutely. Sounds <laughs> good. Thank right. you.
2: Thanks again, brother. And we're out. Thanks again to Mark Bradford, and thank you to you, the CEP listener. Remember that word of mouth is like a souped-up doom buggy in a post-apocalyptic desert. So don't forget to tell your friends and fam about the great variety you hear right here on the CEP. Subscribe to our show on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you consume the podcast that you hold near and dear to your heart so that you can keep the variety coming straight to your ear holes with the automaticity. And on that note, when you go to Apple Podcasts, it would help us immensely if you would give us a five-star rating while you're there to show your love for the CEP. And speaking of love, you know we love it when you give us all of your love on the socials, when in fact you do give us all of your love on the socials. So... Be sure to give us your love on the socials and be sure to visit the launching pad for all things Cerebral at thecepodcast.com. And of course, if you need to contact us, you can do that at Cerebral at CEPodcast.com. Also, don't forget about our merch at buyjack.com slash CEP. That's B-Y-J-A-C-K dot com slash C-E-P. So get online and get you and your, your dear loved ones some CEP gear today. That's all I got, folks. So until next time, be sure to keep those big, beautiful brains of yours nice and warm out there. See ya.